First, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 9, I would like to take the time to read this chapter. I believe it to be very important to the message at hand. And today we're preaching on how to make all grace abound or how to abound in 2022. I don't know how it's up there, abounding in grace, that works. Because last week we talked about are you abounding? This week in your bulletin, you should have found a paper because we couldn't get it to print on the back of the bulletin. I gave you just a regular paper and it will be the seven mile markers of the Christian life. So you have that in your possession. You can refer to it today and during our message. It kind of gives you the other scriptures that I did not give you last week for the sake of time. But you'll be able to orient yourself during the service and say, okay, I'm at a level two or I'm at a level three and so I want to see growth in my life this year and I want to be able to chart that growth. That's how you know you're growing in Christ instead of backsliding. You don't live your life like a tumbleweed. Uh, you have some purpose. You have some goals. There should be some mile markers. I mean if you take a trip you're looking for landmarks and mile markers that chart your progress until you get to your destination, which generally I've got either a hotel room or a buffet bar somewhere. So as I get closer, I want to know those landmarks. How close am I getting to this thing? All right, let's begin reading in verse 1. The context here, chapters 8 and 9 and 10 are about giving, monetary giving. So that's its context, is about giving uh, of your treasure. But we're going to take this because there's some good principles here and apply it to us on how to abound this year. He says, for as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Let me bring you up to speed. There was poor saints there in Jerusalem, and that's where the church got its start. And this church here in Corinth had stood up and promised to take up a love offering and to send it by way of the Apostle Paul back to Jerusalem. That's kind of where a few weeks ago I got that ideal. I'd been poking around in this. You know, it's very rare. You never see missionaries or churches that are started on a mission field because of the support from a home church. They never take up an offering and send it back if that home church has a need. Have you ever heard of that in your Christian life and walk? Well, it is biblical, and I'm not trying to get churches to take up money to help us. I, I mean, but this is what had happened. Just Jerusalem had come under severe persecution, and so they had chased them. Uh, they had hunted them down and took their uh, monetary things that they had there, and they needed some funds in this church because they stepped and said, we'll pledge some money. Now, you could preach faith promise here also. They're going to pledge some money, and they talked a good talk, and because of that, other churches, he says, AKI, they said, we want to get involved in that. And now the Apostle Paul is telling them, now you've made the pledge, now it's time to make good on this pledge. Let's read on. He says, yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf. 
that as I said, you may be ready. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared. He's telling them, now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. He says, now we that we say not ye should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty. Whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. Now here's where we begin to get where I build the message or we call the text for the message where the ideal comes from. He says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. This is a principle in the word of God. You want more? Give more. If you give little, you're going to get little from God. That's how it works. It's a principle. If you plant one kernel of corn, you're only going to get one stalk of corn. Yeah. And so that's a principle. Keep that in mind. And he says, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. And God, here's my verse, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever, now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God for the administration of this service, not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God, Whiles by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Let us pray this morning. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you. Lord, help us today as we look at this passage of scriptures. Let the Holy Spirit guide us into all truth and let us learn the principles you would have for us so that we can grow, we can abound in the work of the Lord in 2022. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. As I said earlier, last week's message, this is kind of developed into a series. And I ask the question to you, which I hope that you answered, and not out loud, but to yourself, am I abounding? And we introduced ourselves to the, some principles in the Word of God to chart our progress in the Christian life. We do not want to become stagnant. We do not want to backslide. We want to always maintain forward momentum for God. And so here this week, we learn that there is a formula. I love formulas. 
I like recipes, especially if we're talking about biscuits and gravy. Uh, I love looking for recipes. And right here, I'm always looking for recipes uh, from the Word of God. And the Lord, the Lord, there is a simplicity in Christ. I know many times people try to complicate the things of God. And they're not really that complicated. God knows us. He's the one that originated language, and he knows how to perfectly communicate to us. God is not tricky. He's not going to trick us. He's not going to be gray. He's going to communicate very clearly, and he gives us a formula. And we see here that he says that all grace may abound. And I don't know about you, but we need grace. And I hope that everyone in here this morning has had their heart touched by grace. And what I'm talking about is the Bible is clear to say, for by grace are you saved. This is not going to work for you if you've not been born again. And the difference between someone who's had their mind touched with grace and, or their heart touched is people that have their heart touched with the grace of God, there's change that comes about in their life. But you're going to find, living this Christian life, that it's going to take the grace of God. And grace is simply free, unmerited favor. It's the free, unmerited favor of God. I was taught this in Sunday school class as a young person. It is God's gift at Christ's expense. That is the definition of grace. There's a biblical definition it means that God gives to us what we don't deserve and Jesus Christ pays the bill. That would, you would find that in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 when he says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to the riches and glory. Who's paying the bill? By Christ Jesus. And we've been commanded in the word of God to grow in grace. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And I begin to look in the Bible on the different graces. And if you was to look, you might find more than I did, but I found no less than ten different graces that we need to abound in this year. I found that there is standing grace there in Romans chapter 5 verse 2. Uh, if you're going to take a stand for God, and especially in this day and hour and time, you're going to have to have some standing grace. And you're going to have to know how to tap into standing grace with God. Then there is singing grace. I want our youth choir to learn how to employ singing grace. You say, what is singing grace? What's well, singing grace? You might not sing well, but you're going to sing from the bottom of your heart. You're not going to stand up there like a rag doll, but you're going to hold your head back and sing and make a joyful noise for the Lord. That's what we call singing grace. But then I found there is some serving grace. There out of 1 Corinthians chapter, oh, well, let me say this, it's Colossians 3 verse 16. There is serving grace. Some of us need some serving grace 
to be able to serve one another. But then there is suffering grace. People go through things in life and they go through hard times in life and God said that there is a suffering grace that you need. And he told the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul began to do some suffering. He had an infirmity in the flesh and the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for thee. You say, what is that preacher? That was some suffering grace that God was going to give the Apostle Paul to get through. And then I find that there is speaking grace there in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. And then I see there's sufficient grace, which I told you about there in 2 Corinthians 12. But then there's a reproaching grace. I mean, sometimes people in this world, when they find out you're a Christian, they want to begin to reproach you. You say, how am I going to get through that? You're going to need some reproaching grace. But then there is grace, or what we call grace, that help us through times of necessity or times of need. If you've lived any real life and you don't have rich parents, there's been times in your life where the bank account was pretty low and you had times of necessity. You say, Preacher, how do you get through those times? You're going to need some grace, some grace of necessity. But then there's persecution grace. If you was to read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, you would find a lot of saints of God went out into eternity singing songs of Zion. You say, what is that? They were being burned at the stake. Why were they singing? Because God had given persecution grace to get through that. But then I find distressing grace. There's grace that God gives you in your times of distress. You say, what could those be? Those could be when you're fighting addictions. Those can be when you're pressed out of measure with depression. It's a growing thing. You say, how am I going to get through that? You're going to get through that with grace. You say, well, I ain't been doing so good. Where is that? And that's going to get us to the message. How do I tap in to these Ten graces. How do I get God to give me the grace that I need to get through life without an overabundance of anxiety or affliction? How do I get through and not feel like a loser? It's simple, very simple. And I want to give it to you because God gave it to us and it's not mine to keep. I want to share it with you. There should be no excuse that each and every one of us for us not to abound in 2022. Number one, how can I abound in these graces? God's just not going to give them to you. Remember, there's a verse over there in 2 Peter chapter 1 where he says that you need to add to your faith. You see, saving grace is not the end for you. Remember, think with me, Jesus says, I am the door. Remember that? He said that he was the door. He says, no man could come to the Father but through him. That saving grace is the door into God's wonderful, matchless grace 
And he says it's been freely given to us, but you got to go through the door. So salvation is that first grace that God is going to touch your heart with. you got to go through the door. A lot of people, you ever invite people over? You ever had somebody that just got stuck in the door and wouldn't come through? <laughs> you opened the door, you invited them in, but they wouldn't come in? No, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> well, that's a lot of Christians are like that. They come to the door, they see the door, they see Christ and they knock. And Christ deals with them and they don't want to go no farther than the door. I'm glad I'm saved, preacher. Bless God. Amen. Amen. Just saved, born again. Amen. Amen, preacher. Amen. 20 years later, I'm just glad I'm saved. What have you been doing for God? I got saved, brother. I'm saved. Amen. Bless God. Glory. Hallelujah. Hey, have you won anybody to Christ? I'm saved. Bless God. Glory. Hallelujah, preacher. Hey, I'll see you next year at Christmas time. I come to church one time a year, whether I need it or not. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. God touched my heart with grace, brother. You ever been around those kind of people? And then somewhere down the road, <laughs> they're broke down, aren't they? There was a time in my earlier life that I would take a trip in an old piece of junk car because <laughs> I didn't mind laying underneath of it on the middle of a highway working on it. But now that I grew up and I put away childish things, <laughs> I don't feel like doing that no more. I want to have something that I know is not going to let me down, that I can make it there and back again. Like when we went to Louisiana. I wanted to make a, sure I had something that I had confidence that was going to make it there and back. Well, the Christian life. <laughs> you're going to have to invest in this life. So number one. and verse 7 we learn. How am I going to get in on the grace that I need to abound? You're going to have to have the right heart. Verse 7 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. You're going to have to have the right heart. You're going to have to have a purposed heart. You say, well, preacher, I, I want to grow. Well, let me put it to you like this. I want to flourish. I want to abound. I need grace. I'm dealing with some things in my life, and I really need some grace to get through this. I need God to help me get the victory. You are going to have to have the right heart. And what I mean about that is you cannot be tentative. Tentative. It's a new word for me this week. I heard it. I needed to use it. Tentative. It means you're not certain, not fixed. As in, I, I, I know the preacher says I need to read more of the Bible, but I don't know about that. That's called tentative. I know the preacher says I need to pray more, but I just don't know about that. I'm not really fixed on that. I just don't feel like that. That's called tentative. I know the preacher says I need to get back to church. I've got my vaccine, all the boosters. I can run everywhere, do everything, but I just don't know about that coming to church. You're tentative. 
I want to grow and abound in Christ. But I just don't know, preacher. You're tentative. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to get stuck in the door. And you're not going to get to God's kitchen. If I come to your house, I don't want to see the garage. I want to see the kitchen. <laughs> I want to see what's going on in the kitchen. I want to see if you have an inside grill. I want to see how big your fridge is. I want to see what you've been cooking. <laughs> That's the way we need to be with God. I know Christ and salvation, and, and I'm not trying to downplay that. That's a wonderful thing. we got to have it. But people are getting stuck in the door, and they can't figure out why they're train wrecks. You need to head to God's kitchen. <laughs> I know we all watch in hell's kitchen. <laughs> Why aren't we worried about God's kitchen? Why won't we get in there? Well, you cannot be tentative about this. You're going to have to have a purposed heart. That's why I really never succeed at a diet. Let's preach on me for a minute. <laughs> you say, yeah, you're always on a diet, but you don't seem to be losing weight. You want to know why? I'm tentative about it. I'm not fixed on it. I don't have a purposed heart. I told somebody last week, I don't have it up here and in here. I come, if I have two days good, I want to reward myself on the third day. I fall off the wagon, and six months later I remember, I was supposed to be on a diet. Say, what is that? I'm tentative. I don't have a purposed heart. Now you go to try to take my coffee from me in the morning and you'll see I'll have a purposed heart real quick. <laughs> so when it comes to things of God and how do I tap in so that I can abound in 2022, you're going to have to have a purposed heart. You cannot be tentative. You're going to have to have a willing heart if you was to back up to chapter 8 and verse 11. He says, for if there be first a willing mind. He said, well, he's talking about your mind. I'm talking about your heart, which is the mind. I'm not talking about that thing that's pumping blood through you. I'm talking about the soul of man. I'm talking about where the thinking goes. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You're going to have to have a willing mind, a willing heart. You're going to have to have a purposed heart. You're going to have to give your whole self to God. That means you've got to be fully committed. You're going to have to come on through the door and get into God's kitchen. I'm just getting tired of this salvation manna. You need into God's kitchen. Then he says, not grudgingly. Do you see that? He says, your heart, it can't be a grudging heart. That means resentment, displeasure, mad because... You know, if you don't come, I'm coming to you. <laughs> or maybe your mom or dad called you and, oh, I gotta go because I got oh. I was like that. I worked for dad for years. We were younger, first married. And around hunting season, I got a bad case of the backslids. I wanted to be in the deer woods. And we'd run and hunt, but I knew if I skipped church on Sunday, I had to face the boss, which was my dad, on Monday. And he happened to be the pastor, so I couldn't lie to him. 
<laughs> he said, what'd your dad do? Nothing. <laughs> he didn't say nothing. Okay, where was you at? Were you? It was just the fact that I knew he knew. And then the Holy Spirit began to work on my heart. Say, you're going to have to have the right heart. It can't be a grudging heart. It's like, okay. All right. <laughs> I'll see you boys after church on Sunday. And so then I begin to hunt in the afternoons. <laughs> but it wasn't out of the right heart. It was out of that grudging heart. But then he says, not out of necessity. Do you see that? Not or of necessity. You know what that is? I know it's my duty. <laughs> I was having one of those mornings this morning. I, I wasn't having a good morning. It started when my oatmeal didn't come out right. <laughs> Still upset about that. We had steel, ro steel rolled oats. I like the way, I like their texture. And so we, we come up with this idea that we were going to cook them in the crock pot overnight. And my bright idea was we're going to put these in these little mason jars. We put a half a cup and then fill it the rest of the way up with water because we couldn't get a bowl to fit in our crock pot. And then we was going to cook them all night, starting about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I woke up and I immediately started taking things personally. I seen, Jenny said, oh, honey, your breakfast is ready. I could tell by the tone of her voice something wasn't right. And I go in there and I see this getta, hard, laying in my oatmeal bowl. And I immediately got a whole case of, I don't want to. Oh, like this. What is this? That's your oatmeal, baby. Ain't you on this new diet? Ain't you doing it? <laughs> then I begin to think she did it on purpose. And I immediately, <laughs> I didn't want to do nothing. <laughs> she had to talk me into coming to church this morning. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm over-exaggerating this. Take what I said, divide it by two, and that's actually what really happened. <laughs> Honey, I'll make you a couple eggs. So I said, well, I'd like a couple pieces of sausage. Great. We got that out. Oh, we can't cook this. This is bad. It stinks. How's sausage go bad on Sunday? So I didn't get that. Now I'm really having a bad day. And I ain't had my second cup of coffee yet, so I pour that real quick. I go, okay, all right, okay, calm down. Well, honey, I'll fry up some Yoder's bacon, and then I'll get you a couple eggs. All right, over easy. Yes, baby. So I begin to try to munch on this oatmeal. And I'm like, oh, you want some milk for that? No. <laughs> I'm eating it out of necessity. <laughs> I'm not happy about it. And then I got served two eggs with some bacon on a little plate and no fork. Oh. He said, my, so, yeah, you all better thank Jenny. She puts up with a lot. <laughs> she didn't do none of that on purpose. She's just trying to be sweet. I woke up on that side of the bed. You know, a lot of times we serve God like that. We show up, but we feel like we're looking at a 
bad bowl of oatmeal. I don't like that. And it sets us on edge. Guess what? That's not going to get you into the kitchen. Matter of fact, I thought about leaving our kitchen. <laughs> I said, now I know why my men go out for breakfast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I told her, I said, now I understand why people go out for breakfast. <laughs> she said, It'll be okay, honey. You're making this worse than it really is. And I was. Any other day it would have been okay, but it was Sunday. I said, I guess I'll have to take one of those little protein bars or something with me because this ain't going to work. It works. I'm fine. But we approach the Christian life like that, don't we? I got news for you. You're not going to get into the grace of God with that attitude. If you're tentative, if you don't have a purposed heart, if you're grudging, and if you're just doing it out of necessity. I did eat the oatmeal. It tasted okay. I just don't like hard oatmeal. But it was okay. Number two, it's going to take you to sow the seed. The seed that God has already given you. You see, if you back up to verse 6, he gives you a biblical principle. It's true in anything you do. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. See, what's he saying? He's saying if you want more in your Christian life, you're going to have to give more. The seed comes from God. Every one of us, if we are born again, you got salvation seed. It's the Word of God. We all get the same seed because it comes from God, verse 10. He says that God gives us that seed. It comes from God. And if we want more, we got to throw more. Let me give you this. You've heard me say it before, but it bears repeating. God will always give more through you than he'll give to you. You say, what are you trying to say, preacher? Well, we need to understand the principle that God gives us the seed. We need to throw the seed. That's called personal execution. Then we reap what we sow. Let me give it to you this way by illustration. Everybody gets 24 hours in a day. That's time seed. And so the the point is, now buckle in, okay? Because we're talking about spiritual growth. And don't take what I say the wrong way. I'm merely orienting you. We're running labs is what we're doing. If you just go to the doctor, he's going to give you some labs. And then he's going to give you the results. Like, okay, this is where your cholesterol is. This is where your blood pressure is. And we need to do this to get you back within the recommended numbers. Most people... They want to experience a three-service-a-week spiritual growth, but they only invest a one-service-a-week seed. 
We all have 24 hours in the day. We pray five minutes a week, but then we expect a five-day prayer harvest. Let me tip my hat to God a little bit. Hey, Lord, help. We, we get all Catholic on ourselves, praying over our meals, you know. And I'm not trying to make fun of it. I'm saying we become ritualistic. Oh, Lord, bless it from my body. Oh, yeah, right. And we take off. But then we expect a big prayer harvest that God's going to answer our prayers. We all have the same 24 hours a day. Some of us say, well, I just don't know how you can get all that done. Well, we all have the same time. How are you investing it? What are you throwing your seed to? I think some of the teens' eyes are lighting up. I was asking them what they did this week. What kind of time seed was they throwing and what were they investing it in? I learned that some of them have been given boundaries, rules, and limitations for what they like to do, which is the right path, parents. Some of them didn't have none. And they're throwing their seed to the wrong things. And I'll make a prophecy. When they get 18, they'll be a train wreck. Why? Because they're not investing. They're not sowing good seed. We're not throwing good seed. We read our Bible one verse a day, but expect a 10 chapter a day growth. And then say, I can't get victory over sin. That's because you're sowing more time to sin than to the Word of God. You, there's another principle that I need to give you. It's a verse of Scripture, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. And we're getting ready to go in the final phase of the message. But this message is, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What I'm saying is, preacher, I really want to grow spiritually this year. Then you're going to have to throw some seed. Here's our problem. We're seed hoarders. Y'all watch that show, Hoarders. Those people have some, that is a mental dysfunction. They need help. There's a lot of Christians like that. Christian hoarders. I almost titled this that. We hoard what God has given us. You say, oh, no, how would I do that? You're saved, aren't you? Yeah. How many people at your workplace know that? Oh, preacher. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. God's not going to give you more seed until you throw the seed that he's already given you. You got a Bible. You've, the Bible is one of the most effective weapons, and you have prayer. You can throw the prayer seed. You can throw the Bible reading seed, and you can throw witnessing seed. 
And we have 24 hours every day to do it. We all have the same hours and the same amount of seed. You say, I thought we was heading to the kitchen. We are, we are, we are. We're heading to the kitchen. <laughs> I had a bad experience in the kitchen today, but that, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't stop us. We have lunch to go and supper. I'm already getting happy. <laughs> oh, I don't know what it is, but we'll figure it out. We're Christian hoarders. And we never tap in to these graces that God has for us. Because we won't go through the door. We stop, we get stuck in the door at level one. Mile marker one, repentance. You got saved. I know you're saved. I think everybody in here this morning saved. Born again. But there's six other mile markers besides that first one. That, that means progress. You need to abound. You need to go through the living room, the meeting house, and get into that kitchen, God's kitchen. Verse 8. When you sow the seed that God gives you, that's where you begin to take responsibility and begin to execute. That means doing what God has already given you. You need to give it out. God's not going to give you more until you give what he's given you. If, I, if you don't get anything else this morning, you get that. You won't get more from God until you give away what God has already given you. Whether it's your time, treasure, or talent. People say, I don't have enough money. Why don't you try giving? I know of a church. I know the pastor. Vic Wilson, I've known him most of my life. He's known me most of my life since I was a young man. Anytime his church has a financial difficulty, they take on another missionary. See, why would he do that? Because he knows this principle that God will give more to you only when you give what God has already given you. Now, that takes some faith. That takes a purposed heart. You can't do it grudgingly or out of necessity. And folks, I, I, I'm probably not there yet. But he's been pastoring the same church over 40 years, and it works well for him. Now, I've experienced that in my personal life. Hey, we all experience financial problems. You know, it's not all about money. You got time and talent, don't you? Some people don't, don't have money. Well, you got time and talent, don't you? Throw that for God. Now, here's why. Here's, here's where we need to get to. Verse 8. When you sow, because if you back up to the last of verse 7, for God loveth a cheerful giver. See, we're back into that grace. We're back into that favor of God. And God's telling you straight up, I love a cheerful giver. He's talking to Christians. I've told you there's two types of church people, givers and takers. They'll come in and you need to have your mindset as you're going to be a giver. They say, are you? No, I'm not on money. I'm not talking about money. Now, if the Holy Spirit's talking to you about money, then you worry about money. I'm talking about time and, and, and talent, too. Don't leave that out. Don't leave that out. God loves a cheerful giver. 
Now, when you give what God has given to you, here's what happens. Here's the results. Verse 8, and God is able. Do you see that? It's a promise. God is able to make some grace abound, all grace abound. The 10 that I found, if you look, you might find some more there. When you give away what God gives you, time, treasure, and talent, you have salvation seed. You can tell others about Christ. You can invest some time. You can invest your talents. I think some people said, hey, I want to start working with the, with the youth choir. Amen. Invest that talent in time for God. I promise you, God will give you more. But if you approach this as a seed hoarder, so I'm not going to do that, then you won't get no more. God loveth a cheerful giver. And when you give what God's given to you, and I've made a way for this church to do that this year, have I not? That's why we're having Food City Retail Associates breakfast. That is a chance for you to throw some seed this church as a whole, as a family unit, is going to throw some seed. You don't have to do it all on your own. I'm helping you invest to throw the seed that God has given you so you can abound in 2022. And God, when you do that with the right heart, throw the seed God's given you, God is able to make all grace, not some, all of it. You say, well, I'm having trouble financially. You can give your way out of it. I'm having trouble with anxiety or I'm having trouble with an addiction. You can get involved and start spending more time with the things of God and using your talents for God instead of the devil. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always, not sometimes, not one time, all the time, if you'll just throw the seed that God has given you. Having all sufficiency. You, want, you don't want to know what that word means? More than enough. You're going to deal with some things this year. I'm going to deal some, with some things this year. And we're going to need the sufficiency of God's grace. And God says, if you'll just throw the seed I've given you with the right heart... I'll make all of the graces abound towards you all the time. Pretty simple formula, ain't it? It's not hard because every one of us has the seed already. I'm not telling you you got to go buy seed. You don't have to go get it. God's already given it to you. Don't be a Christian hoarder. It'll result... An increase of God's righteousness, doing more for God, growing grace to reach the next level in the Christian life. And then verse 10 says he'll multiply the seed. He'll give you more seed to throw. I'm done. I'm done. I've run out of oatmeal to run on. You all pray for Sister Jenny. She's a sweet saint. She, God has her a special reward in heaven, I promise you. I promise you.
promise you. Here's the conclusion. What are you doing with what God has already given you? If you have saving grace, you have salvation seed. Are you telling others about Jesus? You're not a closet Christian, are you? I think a lot of people are. They're closet Christians. They're ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You have salvation seed. You need to tell others about Christ. You want more? You got to give more. It's a principle. You got to give them the right heart. Now, real quick, and I'm done. Don't try to keep tabs with God and say, okay, I give you a dollar. Now I'm going to sit here and wait till God gives me 10 back. Guess what? It ain't going to happen. You want to know why? You got the wrong heart. And God can see right through that. You can't be tentative. You got to have the right heart. It starts here. We have it. We have the ability to do it. We're conquerors. We're, we're more than conquerors in Christ. And there's no reason that none of us, every one of us should abound this year in the work of the Lord. Let's all stand this morning.